We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Six Man Show on Orlando Magic Podcast with your hosts, Luke Sylvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic Basketball. Five fans, four fans. Go Magic! What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show. Today is November 14th, 2022. Jonathan Osborne here. As always, I'm joined by my co host, Luke Sylvia. Luke, what's going on, bro? I feel like money. I feel like money. That's what's going on. I, I Listen, I got the, the Jalen Suggs tonight, all right? I got the Suggs jersey tonight because what what's the saying, Jonathan? Let your praise be as loud as the disrespect. And uh, I, I want to talk about Jalen tonight. I, I do apologize. I want to apologize tonight formally to Jalen Suggs. And in part, I will be wearing his jersey when I do so. I cannot tell you how excited I am to hear that because, you know, some of us have been holding mm. on to that Jalen stock for a long time. Some people were, you know, weren't so sure. So I'm looking forward to, to hearing what you think about Jalen Suggs. Perfect. Yeah, it'll be it'll be a nice formal apology. And I, I am it's time. I'm ready. I love it. All right, folks, just want to let you know. As most of you probably already know, the Magic are set to face off against the Chicago Bulls in Chicago this Friday. And during that game, we will be at Ollie's in Orlando, 3400 Edgewater Drive, starting at 730. That game starts at 8. Uh, we're partnering with the Orlando Magic and Michelob Ultra again for another watch party. So there will be uh, $4.50 Michelob Ultra 16-ounce bottle specials and $15 buckets. Our last watch party, uh, which was the season opener against the Detroit Pistons, those of you that were there know that that place was rocking crazy. It was a really, really fun time. So if you're going to be in Orlando Friday night, make sure you come by Ollie's. Again, that's 3400 Edgewater Drive. If you drive by there this week, you're going to see a little uh, sign out in the front. Uh, you know that the Six Man Show with Michelob Ultra uh, is presenting that watch party. So make sure that you guys uh, swing by there. Check out our little signage there and then make sure that you guys come out Friday night. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're looking forward to it and we hope to see you guys there. I'm bringing some people. I know Luke's bringing some people. Our boy Ben is going to be there. So make sure that you guys come out. It's going to be a really, really good time. 
let's talk about the state of the Magic this week, Luke. So this week, the Magic went 2-1 and one with a loss to the Houston Rockets and wins over the Dallas Mavericks and Phoenix Suns. They are now 4-9 and nine on the season after starting 0-6. They are 13th in the Eastern Conference. They have the fifth worst record in the league now, so they're climbing the rankings at least a little bit here. So far on the season, the Magic have an offensive rating of 110.5, which ranks 20th in the league. They have a defensive rating of 112.4, which ranks 20th in the league as well. Their overall net rating is negative 1.9, which is good for 21st in the league. And they are still fourth in free throw rate. Again, that performance against the Golden State Warriors from last week had a lot to do with that. Uh, on the injury front, Cole Anthony, Markel Fultz, Jonathan Isaac, Gary Harris, and Mo Wagner all remain out. Uh, Paolo Bancaro has missed the last two games due to a left ankle sprain. He suffered that against the Houston Rockets on Monday. Uh, again, missed the last two games against Dallas and Phoenix. Right now, he is a game-time decision for Monday's game versus the Charlotte Hornets. And Luke, for the first time in quite a while, we got legitimate updates on Jonathan Isaac, on Markel Fultz, and on Gary Harris. We'll start with Jonathan Isaac. So what was that, Monday or Tuesday? Pull up the article here and I can let everyone know. That was Monday. Kobe Price, he posted a tweet. Uh, it was a link to an article where he got a chance to talk to Jonathan Isaac. Uh, basically, when it comes to J.I., uh, now he's playing five on five the last few weeks, just trying to get in shape. He's still getting there, but in terms of his body, knees, hamstrings, everything is great. He's just not in game shape quite yet. He has been playing five on five full court with the coaching staff when the team is in Orlando and when everyone's uh, you know available. Uh, that's why really this homestand was pretty big for J.I., not because he's we were hoping he was going to be back during this homestand. But at least everyone's home. Everyone's in Orlando. He's getting that runtime with these coaches, Luke. Yeah, I think that it's you know I'm I'm glad like on one hand like I'm glad we're getting these updates. Um, and this one is probably the one that's like seemingly the most imperative, right? Just because we don't really know. We haven't gotten anything regarding him in the past, and so it is just huge to know that he is making strides. And that he seems to be on track, and it's it's just a conditioning matter. Yeah, he's just ramping up. I mean, we kind of heard this at media day that he was doing everything on the floor. It was just about getting back into game shape. And I think getting to the full court five-on-five five is a big part of that. We talked about how when they're playing five-on-five five now, like he's he's getting gassed, right? And there's one quote in particular from this article that got a lot of attention, he said, if it's me, it's always sooner than later. In my mind, I'm like, yo, I can play 10 minutes, but at the same time, I get it. They want it to be the last go around and be fully in shape. I don't have to get on the court worrying about being tired. People saw that quote included in Kobe Price's tweet, which was the link to the article and freaked out like, oh my gosh, this guy can only play 10 minutes. It's been 26 months at this point. What the heck is going on without actually reading the article, which prompted me to tweet, don't comment on the situation right now unless you've read that tweet and you've gotten all the context. Part of it was you know, Kobe gets paid to put out these articles and he gets paid by people paying a subscription to be able to read these pieces that he puts out. So I wasn't going to aggregate and throw out all of the information there. I wanted people to read Kobe's article, but 
people are reading that tweet and just thinking, oh my gosh, how can this guy only play for 10 minutes? He's talking about that. If you read the article more from an aspect like, just let me on the floor. Like I, I just want to play, even if it's only for 10 minutes right now, I just want to get back on the floor. So I thought it was important to point that out, but it is encouraging that J.I. is, is starting to, to ramp back up and get into the swing of things. And from the article, it sounds like it's only going to be a matter of, of, of weeks, whether that's three weeks, four weeks, five weeks. I don't know. I feel pretty comfortable saying we should see him by December, like that by Christmas, at least that would be my guess. Now, I don't have anything else to go off of other than this article, but if he feels like he's getting this close, I don't know how many weeks you need to play five on five to get your conditioning back. Yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see what he what he what happens, what comes of this. But I'm optimistic. I would be more than happy if we see J.I. before Christmas just for the fact of not because I don't think it'll happen, but for the obvious reason we haven't seen this guy play in a couple of years. Then on Thursday, we got some Markel Fultz news. So it was like Kobe was just kind of sitting on a few pieces and he's like, I'm just going to give you guys a little a little taste every couple of days here. So the next update from Markel Fultz, obviously we knew that you know about a, a week, week and a half ago that he was out of that soft brace boot that he was wearing on his foot, that he was back in sneakers. And we kind of saw him back at practice going through individual drills. And Kobe speaking with Fultz is, he said, I feel good. He feels ready to play. We heard this at media day, uh, but he said he's just waiting on that day to get cleared. So I guess about two weeks ago, there was a, another scan. I'm guessing it was an MRI that showed that the two, the toe was improved, but was not yet fully healed. So he's saying, I haven't felt anything for a minute. So it's kind of weird because I didn't feel anything before my last scan. And then it came back healed some, but not to their liking. Hopefully this next scan is fully healed and I'm able to get the green light to get a few practices under my belt and go out there and play. He's hoping to make his season debut within the next three to four weeks. So it sounds like Markell is another guy who, although he's not yet been totally cleared for contact, um, is nearing his return and he feels like he should be three to four weeks out from returning. This is not coming from the front office or, or management. This is just what Markell thinks about his rehab process. So, uh, again, that would put him pretty close to Christmas as well. What do you think about the Markel situation? Uh, it feels uh, what was it this one, this update where you were like, "Never mind, I don't want timelines." Or was that the Cole Anthony? That was the Cole. That Anthony. was Cole Anthony. Yeah, but this is still the same thing with me, me and Markel in terms of my sentiment. Like, I get it. Timelines. We want we want timelines, but then we get them and we're like. This this doesn't make me happy. I would I would was hoping that he would be back sooner than three to four weeks, you know, at that point. So it just stinks, man. Like a, a stupid, like small thing like happened as far as his injury, and then you gotta wait until what, probably December to even see this guy play. Which would put us just about almost three months for a broken toe. If it's another three to four weeks. So the injury you know, occurred, I think, within the first couple of weeks of September. But you know, he tried to play on it. It wasn't getting any better. He let the training staff know something was going on with his toe. And then I believe it was like the 23rd or 25th, something like that, 
somewhere around there. I think it was actually the night before media day, if I'm not mistaken. So that would have been September 25th. So now we're one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, like seven, almost eight weeks from that point. And now we're talking about another three to four weeks. So anywhere from 10 to 12 weeks, if he truly is three to four weeks away, which is just really just strange. You know, they're saying that they took a look at the MRI. It didn't look exactly the way that they wanted it to. But to me, this is another case of the magic just, you know, being to the extreme amount of cautious when bringing guys back. And it's hard to argue with that in a sense because of how great Markel looked when he came back from the ACL. But on the other hand, it's like, man, this guy's been saying for two weeks he feels like he could be playing right now if they would let him. And sometimes you have to protect the player from themselves, right? A lot of times the training staff knows best. But when I'm watching these games, and apart from the last two wins, like, man, we really need Markel out there. Like, this offense is just floundering at times without a true organizer. And I know that Markel feels like he could play. My other question is, why is the ramp up going to take so long? I know that he hasn't been able to do a lot of contact, but you should have had this guy swimming on the bike, something to try to keep his cardio at, at some type of baseline so that he didn't have to spend so much time ramping up before coming back from the injury. But at least three to four weeks, get through you know the, the next few weeks here, which is a somewhat challenging schedule. And then you should have Markel Fultz back. Yeah, well, we'll see. I don't. I, I have no idea, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. And then Gary, so that was Saturday. So the day before we're recording this, we got another gem from Kobe Price, who's just been doing a, a great job of, of reporting and getting answers You know, for these uh, injuries for fans here. The headline reads, Gary Harris feels close to making the season debut after the knee injury. So he had an arthroscopic meniscectomy on August 31st after tearing his meniscus in his left knee. So we are, again, just about two and a half months out from that. Uh, Gary's just kind of taking it day by day right now. He said, I can't really say one day or the other because some days are better than others, but it's feeling good right now. He's been up and down in the full court with coaches playing four on five or four on four, excuse me, and five on five. So it does feel like he's nearing his return. And Kobe also makes notice that uh, Gary was warming up uh, before Friday's contest against the Phoenix Suns. So he's getting that on-court work. And usually that's a sign that guys are not too far from returning. So with Gary, we don't really have the same kind of timeline that maybe we feel like we have from the Jonathan Isaac article or more specifically the Markel Fultz article. But all in all, it feels like we should be getting these guys back within the next three to four weeks. I think Christmas at the absolute latest, and then we should have really everybody back on track. And you should, at that point, you're going to be pretty close to like a third of the way through the season. You might even be coming close to halfway through the season. Uh, but then, maybe not maybe not halfway, but about a third of the way through the season. And then we can start, hopefully, to, to string some games together here. Yeah, good to hear that that Gary is obviously getting the on-court work, warming up at the Suns game, those sort of things. I am very excited for Gary, almost as equally as like as I am for like a Markel, solely for the fact of like what he provides for this team shooting-wise. 
the Magic aren't taking many threes this season because they are aware that they aren't really able to make these threes right now. You need a guy like Gary Harris to come in, even if it's just to be in the corner to hit those threes, like they, to, to provide even more spacing and give this team that is already good at attacking the paint more space to attack the paint. I think it's going to be extremely pivotal for his return. Yeah, definitely going to be a welcome addition with Gary. I know we want to talk a little bit more about Markel Fultz, but I feel like each of these guys bring something different that the Magic are in desperate need of. Gary, obviously, it's the defense and it's shooting. Markel Fultz, it's you know organizing the offense, being able to get to the rim at will, just really be able to settle everyone down. J.I., obviously, it's the defense. So just things that the team really needs right now that each of those guys is going to bring kind of in, in different levels there. So really looking forward to getting those guys back. For me, the, the common sentiment, especially with J.I. and Markel, is like these guys feel like they're ready to go, and the team is just always being so super cautious with the injuries and handling those. My The last thing I'll say about this, you know, until we get another update, is that I hope when these guys come back, they're really back for good. Because what difference does it make waiting all this time is if they come back and then they're in and out of the lineup. When those guys get back, they should be back for good. And hopefully it won't be too much longer. And then, Luke, the last piece of news that we got this week, uh, this was actually pretty cool, pretty exciting, um, is that Vince Carter is joining Bally Sports Florida uh, for select broadcasts throughout the year. We got the first taste of that Friday night. Uh, you know, He joined the broadcast with David, with Jeff, and I was pretty interested to see how it was going to work with a third man, what the chemistry was going to be like, how everything was going to flow. And they really did a great job. Vince obviously is is great on TV. I think everybody knew that already, um, but just kind of slid in very seamlessly with David and, and with Jeff, and they just made for a really exciting broadcast. Obviously, he's a, a fan favorite for anybody who's been a, a fan of the team the last 15 years or so. Uh, so Vince Carter, obviously a lot of people love him, and uh, it's really cool to see him on the broadcast, and hopefully we can see uh, see a lot more of Vince in the future here. Yeah, so with Vince, obviously it's great because he's a, a high-level player, a player that lasted a long time in his career, obviously gave us the you know season and a half, whatever it was, in Orlando. But just hearing his perspective, too, on the broadcast was cool. To see him get excited about the things that we get excited about, Obviously, uh, you know, Jeff Turner played um, Vince Carter. He's he's Vince Carter. And so to hear him also gush about players like Ball Ball was super awesome. I was at the game on Friday, but I rewatched the game in its entirety. And because I really wanted to obviously watch the game back, but also to hear Vince and just kind of the input he was able to give. But yeah, that was my main takeaway. It was like seeing him talk about Bull Bull. He Bull Bull like split the defenders and had some jump shot where he rose up from like right behind the free throw line, I believe. And Vince was talking about how, you know, that that's something a guard would do. That's a guard type play. And it was so it was cool to also get the reassurance from Vince that like, oh, we we've actually got one in Bull Bull. Um, and is as freaky and talented to us as he is to a guy like Vince Carter who played in the league for so long. Yeah, I was kind of concerned that you know Vince would would come in and whenever you're you haven't been around a team a ton, and we hear this from the national media a lot. If you're just kind of thrown in to that situation and you're trying to have those conversations, sometimes you say things where it's obvious that you don't really know what you're talking about. 
but credit to Vince, you know, Vince is not a casual. Like Vince was uh, really had a good pulse on the team and on the players and what it is that they do well and don't do well. So, like I said, I was just super impressed with the broadcast, you know, from Friday night with David and Jeff and and Vince. And credit to David and Jeff. Obviously, we all know those guys are are super easy to talk to if you've ever had an interaction with them. But they just did a great job with Vince, and it just made it just added so much to the broadcast. I really loved it, and looking forward to the next one. So that's really all that we have in terms of news for this week. Uh, before we go ahead and get into Friday's walloping of the Phoenix Suns at the hands of the Magic, we want to talk a little bit about our Patreon. So if you've been listening for any amount of time, I'm sure you've heard us talk about our Patreon. But if not, uh, we do have a Patreon. Uh, basically, it's just a community that you can join uh, for a, a fee you know, each month. We have three levels of benefits. We have our rookie uh, all-star and Hall of Fame tier starting at $2 a month and then going up, just kind of ranging in an assortment of other benefits where really you can help financially support the show, but you can also access our Discord community. We also have uh, exclusive Zoom calls each month with our Hall of Fame tier patrons where we just hang out and talk about the Orlando Magic. It's a lot of fun. If you're interested in joining the Patreon, you can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show. Uh, along with those other benefits, we shout out uh, brand new patrons anytime that we have them on our episodes. And then we also shout out our Hall of Fame tier patrons on every episode, which is what I am going to get ready to do right now. As always, we're going to start with the Court Cousins, then Armin, Carson Tulo, Jonathan Borges, Normal, Magic Player History, Julio, Bailey, Gabe Gaines, Wiffle, Michael Martin, Michael Salapong, Franz Go to Fichot, Ryan Singh, The Distract, Mo Bamba, Yo Mama, Woot Woot, Pierre A, Migzors, Dylan Holden, Mr. Mikey, Lil Penny, Drum, Danimal, Dutto 15, Bobby Skinner, Nate Donnelly, Goaty 93, Teddy Sylvia, Breadhead, Eric Lopez, Fuchsia, Juan Gerardo, Bill Fulton, Edmund Ligon, Jose Esquilin, Destin for Greatness, Caleb Pete, Cannibalism, Time Mr. TV, Brandon Grace, Chad 3045, Joe Rothfuss, ESPN Really Sucks, Gear 95 Shred, Junior Barus, Half Recon, and Fredo Nation. Again, thanks to all of our patrons. You can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show. Luke, let's talk about Friday versus the Phoenix Suns. So after the win over the Dallas Mavericks, you know, no Paolo Bancaro, all Magic fans were waiting for that injury report to come out before this game, hoping that Paolo Bancaro would be back and that he would be ready to go, especially once he was upgraded to questionable. He was upgraded to questionable, but uh, you know, before the game was ruled out for the second straight game due to the left ankle sprain. And then all of a sudden it's like, man, are we going to be able to pull this off twice in a row and beat the Phoenix Suns? Now, the good thing about the Phoenix Suns, really not the, the good thing, but the fortunate thing for the Magic is that no Cam Johnson, I believe he tore his meniscus uh, last week, and then they were without Chris Paul, who was dealing with some kind of heel issue, I believe. But anytime you've got a prolific scorer like Devin Booker, you really need to be careful. You can't let those guys uh, get going. Uh, so Chuma Okiki, starting in place of Paolo Bancaro, really from the opening tip, did a great job covering Devin Booker. I think he started 0 for 4 from the floor uh, until he had a possession where he was dribbling the ball just up the floor without anybody disrupting him. You could hear Jamal Mosley yelling, somebody pick up the ball, somebody pick up the ball. Devin Booker just dribbles into a pull-up three uh, for his first field goal of the night. And that's when I felt, okay, this guy's going to start to get it going and just destroy the magic. But luckily, Luke, he did not. Again, Chuma Okiki 
uh, as well as a, a couple of other guys that got switched on to him at multiple points in this game. Uh, did a great job, uh, but Magic, the, the offense was just incredible. The defense was incredible. Uh, I know you want to talk about that a bit, uh, but really just a great game for the Magic, uh, a great win over a Western Conference opponent. Luke, what were your thoughts on this game? Well, first, I know our listeners are are screaming at you through their their phones or cars right now because you said Okiki instead of OKK. So we will correct that here and now. My friend Jonathan is still getting used to it, as am I. He corrected me last week, so I'm correcting him this week. Chuma OKK. Anyway, yes, because I'm talking about him, I will talk about him first. Chuma has been incredible defensively for this team, and it... I don't think it's coincidence that like, yes, these teams, you can say, I've seen some people talk about like, well, the teams just weren't hitting their shots or the star players just weren't hitting their shots. You could probably say that about the Dallas game, but after the Phoenix game, I think it becomes very apparent that Chuma Okiki, OKK, oh, see right there, OKK got into their heads, um, you know, maybe after a stop and then the rest of the game, they're just off. Who knows? I don't know what Chuma is doing to really get into these guys. Pause. But it, he's been incredible defensively. And and I I really I'm interested to see what happens when when you insert Paolo back in with that starting group and what happens defensively. And so we'll we'll get into that, obviously, in talking about the defense and what it means if Paolo does come back this week, Lord willing. But I had so much fun at the game. I was just in the media loge. I was sitting literally by myself and I still had a blast watching this team play because it looked like Jonathan, the, the magic gave up the lead like 37, 36 in the second quarter. They regained the lead on an Admiral Schofield three pointer. And then they never let go of it again. That is something that is just growth. Like for a young team to get a lead on a team that, has a star in Devin Booker on the other side of the court. Incredible intensity and attention to detail and focus to be able to not just get the lead, but sustain it and just maintain that throughout the rest of the game. I was waiting for the other th- other shoe to drop. The Magic get out to a lead, obviously. Then the Suns take that you know one point lead, and I'm thinking, oh boy, here here we go. Devin Booker's going to get going here at some point. There's no way that he just continues to be inefficient from the field, but he did. And I, I do think in large part that's due to Chuma and the rest of like the team effort. RJ Hampton had a great block on the baseline on Devin Booker, um, had a great sequence there as well. Finding Admiral, I think for a three, getting the block on Devin. I'm just, I'm not sure if this is exactly accurate how it happened. And then he hits a big three moments later um, and near the end of the half too. Like he was incredible. And like seven minutes, he had like eight points in seven minutes there in the first half. Yeah, RJ was great. I mean, who would have thought that giving RJ Hampton some playing time would end positively? I mean, we've just seen it time and time again all season long. Philip Rossman Reich, and I, you know, I'm not trying to throw a shot at him or anything, but uh, he, you know, he mentioned that you know Mosley did a great job of coaching you know Friday night, and that you know people kind of. Um, going easy on him a little bit. And I tweeted, I said, Hey, we got away from the zone, which has been people's biggest complaint. You know, part of that I think had a lot to do with how much better the defense looked. And then RJ Hampton played like, that's all we've been asking for. Stop playing zone. We've got so many guys down. Let's see RJ Hampton get on the floor. And he was once again, 
very effective. Uh, you know, hit big shots in this game, had a big play, like you said, on Devin Booker on the baseline and helped the Magic get to a win. And then when you just take a look at the bench for the Magic, uh, so we've got Terrence Ross, 14 points, Mo Bamba, 9 points. Uh, so Terrence was 5 of 9, Mo Bamba, 3 of 6, Caleb Houston, 1 of 1, RJ Hampton, 3 for 3, 11 points, or sorry, 8 points. He was a plus 11 in his 11 minutes. Right now, the recipe for the Magic it seems to be really simple. If the bench plays well, the Magic are either in these games or they are winning these games. If the bench does not play well, the Magic are, are really struggling. It just speaks to how good that starting unit has been playing. I know it was Chuma in place of Paolo, uh, but like you said, Chuma played great on Devin Booker. Uh, 11 points on, on 10 shots, not the most efficient night, but he did hit shots when it mattered. Adds five rebounds, three assists, a steal, and a block. So Chuma you know, had an overall good game for the Magic. Uh, but yeah, this bench gives you anything. Especially, I mean, we look back to uh, the Houston Rockets game for Monday night when the bench didn't play relatively well and you lose that game. So um, this seems to be a theme for the last few seasons now where the, the starters have been playing well for the Magic. The bench comes in, doesn't play so well. We could go on and on and on you know, about that. But second big win in a row, you know, holding high-powered offenses to under 100 points. I know the Phoenix Suns weren't totally healthy, uh, but holding Devin Booker to 6 of 19, 17 points. Anytime you have more attempts than points, you did not have a good night shooting the ball. And like you mentioned, that was in large part due to Chuma Okiki. Uh, but my favorite part of these games that we're winning over like big opponents is that everybody's adding something. Like Caleb Houston, in 19 minutes, he was one of one from the floor, but hit a big three, two rebounds. That rookie, he is still kind of learning his way in this league, learning where to be and when to be there. Jalen Suggs, I mean, maybe, maybe we can have the conversation about Jalen now. I know you have this apology plan for him. But 16 points, 7 of 12 from the floor, 3 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 turnovers. That was the most impressive thing for me. 5 assists to 2, two, two, two turnovers for Jalen. Um, he was great. Franz was great. Wendell was great. Bull Bull was great. Everybody was great. And the Magic won. Yeah. So before I, I give my Jalen Suggs apology, I want to note that uh, one of the weirdest times of the game so i if i told you jonathan that a lineup of rj hampton jalen suggs admiral schofield chuma okk and bull bull was in the game at one time was that was your lineup against the phoenix suns when they have devin booker on the court that the magic would actually increase the lead not by much but they would increase the lead with that lineup before the season started, I would not have believed you. I know Bull Bull starting right now. I know Chuma is starting right now, but that I don't know if that's going to be a long-term thing. Chuma will probably come off the bench at some point, but to have Admiral Schofield out there and then RJ Hampton, who we didn't really know what he was going to be this year. He was not great last year and he has been great this year, but that lineup with four minutes to go, that was your lineup to close the first half. The Magic were up five, and the Magic in that in the half, and they're up six points. So they not at that group. I would say like please just hold the lead. But these guys increased it by one. You could argue that should have been a nine point lead, but I think Bridges had that three right at the buzzer at the end of the first half. So I just hats off to that lineup. Um, really impressed me there to close the half. 
If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now, Jonathan, I I want to formally apologize to Jalen Suggs. Jalen, last year, I, I had my doubts the end of last year. I had my doubts on draft night. I, I've said it. And I wasn't a fan of the pick. And then Jalen, you know, comes in last year. As far as his stats go, 21% from three last year on four attempts, 36% uh, from the field, three turnovers a game. Um, I just was not imp- super impressed with Jalen on the offensive side of the ball last year. Rightfully so, in my opinion. Defensively, he was great. We know that. That game against the Warriors that he had uh, a few games ago, 26 points, nine assists, four steals, uh, nine for 17 from the field, shoots pretty much average from three. But at this point, I think that's just what I'm sort of expecting for right now against Jalen or when it comes to Jalen as far as from the perimeter. All that to say, he has been incredible, obviously defensively. But the game against Phoenix, um, you know, he... 16 points what he's 58 percent from the field again 25 percent one for four from three but did everything else well his five assists two turnover only two turnovers and i think that we're just seeing a, a confident jalen suggs the the move he had i think it was on tory craig where he put he had the ball at the top of the top of at the perimeter he puts a spin move. He he dribbles. He spins on Torrey Craig and he makes the lay in. That was where I was like, 
this dude is is nice. N-Y-C-E, nice. And I got to be there for it and got to see it happen. And I was like, I think I'm kind of moving to the other side of the room on Jalen Suggs. Uh, I think I'm there. So while I don't know what the season holds for his three-point percentage, I'm going to remain patient there. If he can keep his turnovers down and his field goal percentage high, I'm absolutely 100% on the side of Jalen Suggs. I've got the jersey to prove it. He's just been incredible, you know, comparatively. I think there's a lot of way to go, but I'm getting on the train now so that I don't look dumb when I'm not on it when he puts together strings together four or five really incredible games this year so in 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 your defense like you mentioned you know offensively was just not good last year you know not efficient from the floor high turnovers uh just forcing things and you know had the first two games of the season and it was 21 points obviously as that 18 point half uh, against the detroit pistons to help keep the magic in that game but apart from that you know it was three assists to four turnovers Gets hurt, you know, relatively early in that Atlanta Hawks game, uh, but in 15 minutes, one assist to three turnovers, misses the next five games, comes back at Oklahoma City, four points, three of 14 from the floor, just an atrocious shooting night, four assists, four turnovers. Now, since then, you know, the the turnovers are are getting a little bit better. Still had a really high turnover game against the Sacramento Kings, six turnovers. It's just. It, it cannot happen, but but the last three games for me, Jalen is really starting to put it together and, and things start to be slowing down. So we're looking at you know Monday, really just this past week, Monday against the Houston Rockets, 11 points, five of eight from the floor, six assists, two turnovers. Wednesday against the Dallas Mavericks, it was 12, uh, 12 points, four of 12 from the floor, but seven rebounds, four assists, one turnover. And then Friday, you were there, 16 points, 7 of 12 from the floor, five, 5 assists, 3 rebounds to 2 turnovers. To me, it, it's it's really the turnovers. It's him getting to his spots, you know, knocking down the mid-range jumpers. He's not playing out of control. He's not having these high turnover games. That's the biggest thing for Jalen. You know, the efficiency is going to come. I mean, you look at the difference between last season and this season. So last year, he shot 36% from the floor. This year, he's almost up to 46% from the floor through eight games. Just a, a massive you know, improvement in terms of, of you know, offensive efficiency. He's up to 27% from behind the three-point line as opposed to 21% last year. And that's really what we were asking for. It's just a jump in efficiency. In terms of his effective field goal percentage last year, it was 40%. This year, he's up to almost 52%. So just his offensive efficiency across the board is a lot better. The last couple of games have been pretty, you know, encouraging in terms of he's lowering the turnovers, but it's just three games. I need to see this over the course of the next few weeks where we're not seeing these four, five, six turnover games before I, I feel like that is completely gone, uh, you know, from his game. Now, I'm not going to sit here and just, you know, stand on my soapbox and say I knew that Jalen Suggs was going to be incredible this whole time. Now, he hasn't been incredible. He's been very good. He's been very solid. Defensively, he's been borderline, if not elite, even since last season. But we talk about the Golden State game. Him putting Steph in hell in that second half was instrumental to the Magic getting that win against the Warriors. But the defense is there. The offense looks like it's coming around. And like you said, 
now he's finally looking confident. And if he can play the next 60 plus games, you know, without missing a significant amount of time, that's going to be really big for him because that's been his biggest issue so far is just not being able to stay on the floor. Last year it was missing 34 games and this year it's plays two games into the season and then misses five. So I'm glad to see that you're coming around to Jalen Suggs. He's not a perfect player yet, but I think people need to be patient with him. But the people that were out, like all the way out after the Oklahoma City game, I think they're probably second-guessing that and rethinking that, Luke. That was that was stupid, by the way. Like, what, he comes back, he has one dud of a night after coming back, like, and you're just going to trash him? The, the other thing I will say about, about Suggs is... If you were on the opposite side of like a me and Jonathan on Jalen Suggs right now, do not argue anything statistical box scorey about why Jalen Suggs has not been very good this year. If you watch him play, it is very hard to ignore that he is a better player than he was last year. He might not be making all the shots right now, but his field goal percentage is up from last year, as we've talked about. And his confidence is through the roof with just things he's willing to attempt. He's always, and what we appreciate and also scares us, is that he is very willing to go 110%, fall on the ground, dive for the ball. He had the one sequence. Let me let me pull it up here real quick. Uh, let's see in my notes. One second. From the game. Okay. Uh, so in re- it was in regard to the spin move on Torrey Craig initially. Jalen, I put Jalen nasty spin move to the basket. A t- very tough finish. Saves the ball on the other end. If you guys remember that long rebound right after that, he dives out of bounds to grab the to save the ball. And then my next my next part is my favorite part. And then I put and and then as I'm typing this, RJ Hampton hits that three as he's going on this crazy tear. And I just put and in all caps, RJ Hampton is my dad. So there's that as an aside. That was just a really fun moment for me in the game. But Jalen Suggs has just come so far in terms of what he is doing. He's always been the guy that's giving 110%, but he's not always been the guy using his confidence to the best advantage to take the good shots once he gets to a spot, not hesitating and rising up. He's talked about it time and time again, or we've talked about it time and time again about his remarks about it was just a confidence thing for me last year. It kind of got in my head. This year, he's not in his head at all. I think he is making the first decision that comes to mind, trusting his gut, putting up that shot that he might not have put up last year, and he's just making great moves. So I, I say to you guys that are still doubting Jalen Suggs, don't use box scores to to help your argument with Jalen right now. We are witnessing him just becoming a better player, and it's only something that can be seen most of the time with your eyes on him during the game. He has been really good, in my, in my opinion. Last bit that I want to you know, speak about Jalen Suggs here is just comparing, like you mentioned, you just have to watch the kid play for you know, at least a full game and just realize how much better he is than last year. And I think people that are calling his ceiling into question, for me, it's like this kid missed half of the season last year, didn't even have a fully healthy offseason, got injured almost immediately to start the year, and the improvements that he's made so far. I don't know how you can look at this and say, oh, I know what his ceiling is when he's already improved so much. I'm going to I just want to go through and this is all from cleaning the glass. I just want to go through some of his efficiency numbers from last year as opposed to this year. Last year 
His effective field goal percentage was 39.9%, which ranked in the ninth percentile amongst guards. This year, he's at 51.8%, which is good for 60% amongst all guards. Finishing at the rim, he was 59%, which was good for 50th percentile. This year, he's at 68% finishing at the rim, 17 of 25 attempts, which is good for 80th percentile. In his long mid-range jumpers, which is anywhere outside of 14 feet, he's shooting 58% this season. Last year, it was 31%. This year, Luke, he is in the 97th percentile on long mid-range jumpers, 7 of 12 on the season. In all mid-range jumpers, he's shooting 48% compared to 27% last year. And this year on all mid-range jumpers, he's 74th percentile in the entire league for guards. So Jalen Suggs, the the offensive improvement has been drastic. The three-point shooting isn't there yet. And he's also down from the free throw line to start the year. Last year was 77%. So far this year, 61%. I just think it's all going to come. He's a good mid-range shooter. His form is very solid. He's talked about making every part of his jump shot more consistent. And I hate that we have to say this again because of the fact that he did not have a healthy offseason. He has a, a, a good stretch this year of health where he's playing you know, close to 70 games and then can have a healthy offseason. I'm looking for another big jump from Jalen Suggs next year. I talked about even last year that you could see the flashes that he could be a dynamic offensive player. He may never get there, but I think it's way too early to rule him out. So I'm super happy to hear Luke's you know, apology for Jalen. I think it's warranted. Welcome to the dark side. Jalen Suggs is awesome, and I think he's really just going to get better. All right, so we've talked about this game against the Phoenix Suns, Luke. Now it's been two straight games. Again, you know, the Magic holding their opponents you know, to, to low-scoring nights. It was 87 points for the Dallas Mavericks, and the Magic's win on Wednesday. And then on Friday, it was holding the Phoenix Suns to 97 points. So both of those games holding your opponent to under 100 points. And you you made a, a comment in our group chat yesterday when you were kind of rewatching this game, just how much better the offense looks, you know, when they're playing man to man and switching everything versus the zone that we've seen. And like whether or not the overall defensive performance, my question was, does it have more to do with the fact that they're just playing the man and it's at least somewhat decent? Or is it like the zone is just that bad that it makes that man to man switching you know, defense look really, really good. And I think there, there's like a, a common, like somewhere in the middle, I, I think is probably the truth here. They played great against Dallas. They played great against Phoenix. The zone defense is atrocious. It seems like we're starting to get away from it you know, a bit more here. But the defense just overall for the season has not been good for the Magic. So we talked about in terms of defensive rating, uh, 112.4 on the season, which is good for 20th in the league. If we look at the stretch of the last five games for the Magic, the Magic are 19th in the league, 113.7. Now, when you look at the last two games for the Magic, it looks really great. Uh, basically, towards the top of the league, they're second in defensive rating at 98.4. So are the Magic the second best defensive team in the league right now? I don't think so. Are they 20th? I don't know. Luke, what do you think? I think that you're probably right in terms of like there's definitely a happy medium. Like the truth is in the middle somewhere as far as how good can this defense be. We've talked about how good this defense can be, especially when you're back at full health. But even right now, these last two games, it's not like 
you like it's not like we like held the hornets to under 100 points or the like the pistons or whoever it might be that's just not really regarded right now as a great team but you're holding teams like Dallas and Phoenix who have two stud offensive players that make the team go and you're holding them under 100 points Kevin producer Kevin tweeted this out from our account uh the other day and said in the last 48 hours the Orlando Magic have held Luka Doncic and Devin Booker to a combined 41 points 15 of 48 uh from the field which is 31 percent and four of 19 from three 21 percent from three is what that comes out to I just think that it is not coincidence to do that and string that together back to back against star players that are known for their offensive output, especially Luka Doncic, who had not scored below 30 points all year. And this course 24, I believe against the magic that was, I, I was texting with my buddy Zane, who was a Mavericks fan before the game. And I was like, listen, the goal tonight is just hold Devin Booker on or not Devin Booker, Luka Doncic under his season average for points. The magic were able to do that. And the magic got the win in a big way. I think when you're able to kind of cut the the, the snake off at the head with a guy like De- Luka Doncic and Devin Booker, things open up for you. Players, it starts to get in their head. It starts to get in their teammates' heads that like, oh, we're just not on tonight. And they believe it and accept it. And that's what we saw. I mean, these are both really great teams. And so to see it, the, the magic, like you said, kind of ditching the zone right now, which I hope that is something that continues to happen um, just because we see so many runs be are given up to zone right now, seemingly throughout the year so far. And when you've got your one through five or switching, yes, sometimes it puts you in some really undesirable mismatches, but I'll take that over a wide open three any day of the week. So the magic are, are switching one through five right now with most lineups, most rotations there or in crunch time, you've got Chuma. Okay. Okay fighting through screens to stay on guys like Luka Doncic and and Devin Booker. And it's just been incredible to see the team effort as well. They talked about in the post-game pressers, like uh, the the team is just buying in to what Mosley is saying. I will say as well, Mosley's in-game adjustments might not uh, blow people away sometimes, but his game-to-game adjustments have been pretty good, at least here the last week, I would say. So that's kind of just my two cents on the defense. We'll see what it looks like when Paolo comes back, but very impressed with what the team was able to do. It all starts with defense. Terrence Ross touched on that post game. You know, the best offense is, is a good defense, and that's what the Magic were able to do. Yeah, I think a big part of it is is just also like the bench unit. Like the bench unit just really has not been good. I would argue that's more where the runs are coming from. The zone has been really frustrating, but lately it seems like when we have switched into that zone, like most recently I can remember is uh, against the Golden State Warriors. As soon as it was blatantly obvious that they were going to tear that zone to shreds, Mosley got out of it almost immediately. And to your point, he definitely is better at making game-to-game adjustments rather than in the flow of a single game. But just speaking about the defensive performance of the last two games against the Dallas Mavericks and against the Phoenix Suns, Phoenix so far to start the season is uh, fifth in offensive rating. Dallas is eighth in offensive rating. So two top eight offensive rating teams that you held to under 100 points. Like To me, that's not nothing. I don't know if it's anything yet, 
And I don't know how much of this, like you said, is getting away from the zone or how much it is playing mostly, you know, man to man in this kind of switch everything defense and how much of it has to do with Chuma Okiki being inserted into the starting lineup, looking great against Luka Doncic and Devin Booker. And then obviously we know once Paolo comes back, which in my opinion should be Monday because he's trending towards that. You know, he goes from out to questionable. Now he's going to be a game time decision. As long as there aren't any setbacks between now and then, Paolo should start on, on Monday night. But my question is just, you know, I, I thought that the defensive personnel that this team has, and I think most of the conversations that we had when I said this, we were healthy. But to me, this team, the floor should be top 10 defensive rating. You know, we saw them as a, you know, top five, you know, team in defensive rating uh, after the all-star break last year. And Paolo Bancaro, who most people thought was going to be really a, a negative defensively, has showed real flashes there. You know, he's he's playing hard. Um, when this team plays connected, even you know, in that zone, when they put forth a lot of effort and they don't leave those wide open corner threes open, they look really good. That's why this starting lineup has played so well, you know, to start the season. You know, that obviously it's been one of our, our better lineups, has been that starting lineup. And when they break that, you know, there there's been a lot of problems really all over the floor, both ends of the floor. So uh, it's something to keep an eye on. I would rate the Magic's defense so far to start the season is very disappointing. It's been really underwhelming. 20th, for a young athletic team, when so much of, of defense is going to be effort, now I, I know a lot of it is also technique, and that's something that these young guys are going to continue to learn. But for a young, athletic, long team, if you're playing your butts off, you should be at least middle of the pack defensively. And maybe... With these you know, recent performances, we're going to start getting closer to where we should be. But just overall, it's been really disappointing so far to start the season, Luke. Yeah, um, but I will. I, I'm choosing to just be positive right now about the defense that we've seen as of late, because until it is putrid again, I'm going to remain a little bit optimistic. I will say, I think that there has been a switch that has flipped in terms of not allowing so many open threes. Don't get me wrong, teams are still getting open looks sometimes, but I think that the team is actually making an effort, whereas sometimes I just felt like they weren't making an effort. Like it was one of those like, oh, look at me, like I'm trying to get out and close out or get a hand up, but you're really not. Like you're just conserving energy for the offensive possession on the other end. Team, the players right now are actually scrambling well defensively when there is a switch or whatever it might be. Scrambling, getting out, getting a hand up around the perimeter, I think that that has also been a lot better and the effort has been a lot better. And I think and I hope that this team actually is is buying in to how pivotal defense is. We have a lot of young guys that love to score. There are guys on this team that absolutely love to put the ball in the basket, but I think the quicker those guys realize that if they step up defensively, they are going to get their bucket regardless I think this that is the quicker this team is able to kind of continue to improve. So that's what I'm looking for out of this young team. And I hope we get to see it. Well, the good news for the Magic is this week, you know, as we look forward to the Charlotte Hornets, the Minnesota Timberwolves, and the Chicago Bulls. Chicago 22nd in the league in offensive rating. Um, Minnesota 23rd. And then Charlotte 28. So you're not playing against offensive juggernauts. So the Magic have an opportunity to maybe even do a little bit of stat padding if you're playing against these 
you know, subpar offensive. If, if the defense is able to continue playing at this kind of pace, you know, who knows between now and the, the next time we record, the Magic may be climbing a little bit in terms of overall defensive rating, you know, just in terms of like lead wide rankings. But this team has everything that it needs right now to be a solid defensive unit. You know, you, like the guys that you really wor- would worry about, uh, you know, offensive or defensively aren't playing right now. You look at, you know, Cole Anthony, who we know is, you know, for all of his effort, you know, still struggles defensively. You know, Paolo Bancaro, who is still really learning how to, you know, play defense in the league. It hasn't really been known for that coming into the NBA. He's out as well. So you've inserted guys like Jalen Suggs, Chuma Okeke into the lineup. We've seen guys like Kevon Harris, who's known for his defense. We've seen RJ Hampton, who's also known for his defense as well. Bull Bull has been a, a big help in terms of rim protection and shot blocking. So to me, you can't really point to any one thing on this season and say, oh, well, of course, this is why this has not been a great defensive team. When if you just look at the roster on paper, they they have all the makings of what should make. They're young, they're tall, they're long, they're athletic. This should be a good defensive team, and they've been really underwhelming uh, so far to start the season. And I think that it is going to turn around. It's just a matter of time. Getting Markel back, getting Gary back, getting J.I. back will really be huge for this team. Uh, but I, I really just want to see them turn it all the way around. Um, and that would be really encouraging. So again, talking about the win over the Phoenix Suns, do not forget, Magic fans, that after Magic wins, the next day you get 50% off your online Papa John's order with code MAGICWIN. And remember, you don't have to be in Orlando. You can be up to 150 miles from Orlando as long as you're further than 75 miles from Miami. This week, I tried the New York style, the extra large with the the blended, uh, the three cheese blend. Shout out to our boy JD who put me onto that, and it was fantastic, folks. And pizza just always tastes better after a win. So again, 50% off your online order with Papa John's the day after a Magic win with code MAGICWIN. Luke, something that I've been seeing on social media and Twitter the last couple of days really just started to grind my gears and get underneath my skin a little bit. And part of it I understand because you're seeing guys, you know, like Jalen Suggs and RJ Hampton, you know, play so well. You've seen Franz Wagner and Paolo Bancaro handle the ball a lot to start this season and have been pretty effective in doing so. But when the the conversation around Markel Fultz becomes that when he comes back, maybe we should just keep him on the bench long term so he can play with the bench unit, handle the ball all the time in the bench unit, and the Magic are going to be better off that way. I just start to think, what Magic team were you watching last year when Markel Fultz came back and just really changed the offense for the Magic when he was on the floor? And that was the conversation for us all offseason. Markel Fultz is going to be able to get Franz Wagner and Paolo Bancaro all these open looks. He's going to take the pressure off of them. He's great at getting to the rim. He's great at facilitating and organizing the offense. He can get to his spots at any time. He's basically unstoppable at getting to the rim. And now people are forgetting just how good Markel Fultz is. And to me, this notion that the Magic are going to be better, bringing Markel Fultz off of the bench in the long term, we know he's going to be on the bench when he first comes back. But in short order, I think he's going to return to the starting lineup I just think this is ridiculous, Luke, this conversation that's being had around Markel Fultz. Some people are even saying that we should trade Markel Fultz. 
what are your thoughts on uh, on these conversations? Uh, no. Uh, number one, we're not going to trade Markel Fultz. That's just so stupid. And you know, if you've heard this front office talk about Markel Fultz, the guy's not going anywhere anytime soon. And as far as he goes, I think we get a lot. We get very caught up in like, is he going to start? And it's like, number one, he is for, for both sides of the argument and how like he fits with certain players and what he does. Just because you start doesn't mean you play with that group the entire time. Um, also, it doesn't mean that you're it doesn't always mean that like you're going to finish the game. Markel Fultz, number one, is is going to be finishing these games, when he, especially when he's off a of restriction. He's going to be finishing these games. I think that like you put your best guys on the court and and that's what's going to happen. And that's why we are going to see Markel Fultz on the court to close out these games, as well as if we're going to close the game and he's going to be playing with the five, four other best players on the team at that point, you might as well start him to continue to get him reps with those players so that he is closing the game down the stretch with the same guys in that regard, regardless of who he's kind of staggered with minutes wise throughout the entirety of a game. Now, Markel just people are saying like, we, we, you know, we need things like shooting, bring a Markel back, might not space the court. It's like, Everybody in the starting lineup is a respectable three-point shooter. I think that you can have those people, you know, those players on the perimeter so that when Markel Fultz does drive, he's able to kick it out. I'm still going to trust Paolo in a catch-and-shoot situation right now. I'm going to trust Bull Bull in a situation. Wendell Carter, um, who has been incredible, I believe, from the corner as well. Like, if you don't want to put Wendell in the corner there, that's fine. Um, I, I just think that you are going to get results. Also. Do you like? Do you think this team is incredible right now? Why aren't you willing to give Markel Fultz a shot in the starting lineup? Like, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, and Mosley makes the adjustment, we move on. But at least give that a shot. We saw what it did last year for this team. It's just people are just uh, recency bias is a real thing. They want to believe you know Markel Fultz will never be healthy again. We don't know that for a fact. If he gets hurt again this season and it is something that's going to take a long time to heal, whatever, I'm willing to entertain it. I'm willing to entertain your thoughts of like hesitancy. But as it stands, give him a shot. Let him play through these games. Let him ramp back up. I think you're going to love what you see from him. So I, I part of me understands, you know, because the starting lineup has been playing so well together. W- like, why do you want to, you know, break that up? I mean, I don't even want to say that I understand it, but I guess I can almost understand the perspective. Uh, but for me, the thing is, why why are we going to, you know, settle for good enough when the offense could be much improved with Markel Fultz at the helm, finding guys for open open shots, you know, creating his own offense as well? Why are we going to stop at oh, like this has been this has been good enough? So. If we're talking about the starting lineup right now, for the most part, has been Jalen Suggs, Paolo Bancaro, Franz Wagner, Bull Bull, and Wendell Carter. You know, in four games in fifty-five minutes, those guys have a, a negative five point nine overall net rating. If we want to look at a, another starting lineup, Terrence Ross, Wendell Carter, Bull Bull, Franz Wagner, Paolo Bancaro, uh, which has not been the case the last couple of games. Sure, those guys were playing really well together over you know four games, thirty-six minutes. They had a positive forty-three point eight overall net rating. Those guys were were 
killing folks. I understand that to like a certain extent, but Markel Fultz, and this has been you know talked about time and time again, Jeff Weltman, I believe uh, at, either at the beginning of the season or, or right before the start of the season was on the Orlando Magic Pod squad. And he was talking about the fact that Markel Fultz is really the the piece that just snaps everyone in on the team into their you know perfect roles where they should be and just makes everything happen. I still think that is is very much the case. In terms of his health, people like to bring that up. And if you just look at the injuries without any of the context, sure, you know, plays what was it, 30 games over his first, you know, two or three seasons, then plays 70 games in 1920 for the Magic tears his ACL, and now he's missed the first 13 games of the season. You look at those first three seasons, they literally did not know what was wrong with him. They thought that he had a case of the yips, that he just forgot how to shoot. Some people thought that there was some strange motorcycle accident that Markel Fultz was in that damaged his shoulder and that he couldn't shoot anymore. He had to go to a number of specialists to eventually find out what the actual problem was, which was the thoracic outlet syndrome. Now, he misses most of that 18-19 season. The Magic trade for him in February. They let him rehab that entire summer. He comes back the next year and played 70 or, or, or 72 games in a shortened season, mind you. That was shortened by COVID. If he had the entire season, you know, he, maybe he plays like 80 games that year. Who knows, right? And then, yes, the next year, the Magic start 6-3. Markel Fultz tears his ACL, misses the entire season and then has a fully healthy offseason this summer, and then stubs his toe at home, breaking his toe. To me, that is very much a freak accident. And yes, when the Magic handle these injuries, they are cautious to the absolute extreme. So Markel Fultz hasn't been back yet. On one hand, I do understand the injury concerns. On the other hand, when you put all the context together, we're now almost two years from the ACL tear. He hasn't had any setbacks in that rehab, and then he broke his toe from subbing his toe. I broke my pinky once playing football, but it's not the way that you think it would happen. I'm lining up on the outside, getting ready to Randy Moss somebody. I'm going into a double move. My arms are going crazy. My pinky gets stuck in my pocket on my basketball shorts, and I break my freaking pinky that way. That just shows you Breaking any kind of extremity, finger, toe, whatever it is, can legitimately be a freak accident. Does that make me injury prone? I don't think so. I'm just an idiot. Markel Fultz has big feet, was walking around the house, was getting a yoo-hoo out of the fridge or whatever, turned, stubs his toe into the wall, broke his freaking toe. Guess what? It's bad luck, folks. It doesn't mean the kid is injury prone. The thoracic outlet syndrome is, again, another freak thing, which is why the kid cannot shoot the basketball the way that he did five, six years ago. On one hand, I get it. The other hand, like context is important, folks. I'm not concerned about Markel Fultz being injury prone long term. If other people are, that is your prerogative. But this talk about him not being the best fit for this offense. Sure, if there was some, if if 2016 Markel Fultz could come and play for the Orlando Magic right now and would shoot in 43% from the three-point line, by all means, have at it. But guess what? This guy on this current roster does not exist. Do we think Jalen Suggs over Markel Fultz is better necessarily for this offense? Show me where because Jalen Suggs is still shooting below 30% from the three-point line. Is it going to be Cole Anthony? Cole Anthony, again, a subpar three-point shooter. 
if that's your problem, and and yes, part of this is the perception of whether or not Markel Fultz is going to be a good three-point shooter. I understand that it might not be the absolute perfect fit for Paolo and Franz, but it's pretty damn good. It's pretty close. And for me, that is good enough. So if when Markel Fultz comes back and the offensive is looking unstoppable with those three guys at its helm and people are like, oh my God, Markel Fultz is really freaking good. And because you have Franz Varner, because you have Paolo Bancaro, the more national attention that this Magic team gets, which they're already getting a decent amount because they're a quote-unquote league pass darling. Once people start tweeting about how great Markel Fultz is and they finally realize that they haven't watched this kid since he played for Philadelphia, the narrative is going to change. And just like, I'm not counting, I'm not pointing any fingers here at six-man show co-hosts, but like they switched on Jalen Suggs, people are going to switch again on Markel Fultz and realize how good this kid is. Luke, that's all I got. What about you? Yeah, beautiful. I really appreciate the vulnerability to share your broken pinky story. Um, I think it really fit like a glove to the the situation at hand. Incredible. I, I have nothing left to add. You really summed it up. I, I think that unless you got another storyline, we can get into the week ahead. Let's get into the week ahead. So Monday, as you guys are listening to this, the Magic are set to square off at home versus the Charlotte Hornets. That game tips off at 7 o'clock. And then they're off Tuesday. They play Wednesday at home versus the Minnesota Timberwolves. That is going to be the last game of this seven-game homestand. That game tips off on uh, at 7 o'clock on Wednesday. And then Friday, the Magic will be in Chicago to take on the Bulls. That game is going to tip off 8 o'clock Eastern time. And the Chicago Bulls, if I'm not mistaken, I'm taking a look at their schedule. Uh, they actually, so they play Wednesday at the New Orleans Pelicans, and then they'll travel home to take on the Orlando Magic. There was something funny about the schedule this week, Luke. Was it the Minnesota Timberwolves? Uh, let's take a quick look before we get into the week ahead on uh, Wednesday. So, no, it's Sunday. So they play Sunday at Cleveland. That game actually just wrapped up. They beat the, the Cavs 129-124. to 124. So they're off Monday and Tuesday before playing the Magic on Wednesday. So a little bit of a rest disadvantage there uh, but it is what it is charlotte minnesota chicago luke also uh won the uh you know the the record prediction uh last week so i'm now oh and two on the season plenty of time i can still come back from this uh, massive deficit here but luke how do you feel about this week so i want to share something here uh heading into this week on monday night as you guys are listening to us tonight the Magic are looking to string together three consecutive wins. Last year, the Magic won 10, 10 of the wins that the Magic had last year were in pairs. They were back to back. However, the Magic never won three straight last year. So the Magic are looking to put together their first three consecutive wins in two seasons. Because if you'll remember, uh, at least two seasons ago, Magic started like 4-0 and or something. So that's kind of what we're looking to do on Monday night. That's what's at stake here. This team should win against Charlotte. The lines just came out. I'm a big betting lines guy. Even if I'm not betting the game, I love to have a pulse. The last time Orlando played Charlotte, Jonathan, the Magic, I think, opened as two and a half point dogs. It shrank to like one and a half or one before tip off in Charlotte's favor. And then we know what happened in that game. Magic blew the doors off these boys. 
Monday night tonight, the Magic open at least on Sunday night as a one point favorite with LaMelo back. They didn't have LaMelo last time. So I think this speaks volumes about what Vegas thinks about Charlotte and what Vegas has thinks about Orlando in the span of the last couple weeks since they last played. I'm excited for this game. I'm looking for the magic to make the W. I think the magic win. I think the magic go two and two because I believe the magic play the Pacers on Saturday after the bulls, right? That's a back to back, I think. So that'll be, they'll play those games. I'm going to say two and two on the week. I'm going wins against Charlotte and a win against the Timberwolves on Wednesday. The magic have a four game winning streak, according to my predictions. So, yeah, you're right. So they play Chicago Friday night, Saturday, they play the, uh, the Pacers. And then I believe they play them again uh, next Monday. So you'll have like a, a little two game mini series in Indiana for the magic. Let me pull up the schedule and make sure that's correct. Yeah. So the 19th at Indiana and then Monday, the 21st. So part of me, yeah, I'm split here uh, because I do think they should beat Charlotte. You know, Minnesota is a winnable game. I feel like the magic actually have four winnable games this week. Obviously, anytime you're playing a back to back, it's going to make things a little bit more difficult. If I'm looking at uh, the uh, Pacers uh, schedule, they also have a back to back Friday and Saturday, but they're Friday. They're in Houston, so they're going to have a long flight home from Houston to Indianapolis. The Magic are going to have a pretty short flight from Chicago to Indianapolis. So, I mean, both teams, you know, are going to be on the road, you know, the night before that. So I don't know. Is that it's not really a rest advantage one way or the other, but I do like the fact that the Magic aren't traveling quite as far. Now, I do feel like the Magic should win, finish out this homestand versus Charlotte versus Minnesota. Minnesota has just really been in shambles to start the season. Um, they're not a very good team, uh, but Chicago also kind of underperforming uh, compared to what some people thought they were going to be uh, to start the season here. So through their first 13 games, they're six and seven. Uh, they're actually playing the Denver Nuggets right now, and they're down 15 at the half, 62 to 47. So the Bulls most likely are going to be six and eight after tonight. And then the Indiana Pacers, uh, they're a team that a lot of people thought were just going to flat out tank uh, this season away, uh, but they're six and six on the year. So they're overperforming a little bit. The the angel on this side, you know, wants me to just agree with you because I do feel like, you know, two and two is is uh you know pretty pretty safe the other side is like if you go two and two you don't have a you don't have a chance to pick up a, a win in the the head-to-head predictions here so for that reason alone i'm gonna go i'm gonna go three and one i'm gonna say you pick up the wins charlotte and minnesota and then you pick up that game uh saturday night against the indiana pacers might be improbable uh this is definitely a heart pick over a head pick but I'm trying to pick up one in the in the in the column here. I'm going all out for it. I could be down three to zero after this week, so this is really risky on my part. But I'm trying to pick up the win here. I do think all four of these games are winnable for the Magic, especially if the changes that we've seen defensively the last couple of games are for real. Uh, four winnable games, two and two is probably most likely. But I'm gonna go balls out. I'm gonna say three and one with wins over the Hornets, the Timberwolves, and the Pacers. All right, hold. I know. We'll see what happens. All right, Luke, we talked about a lot. This is a very thick episode. I feel bad for producer Kevin, who's going to have to go through and edit this entire thing now, but that is going to do it for us. Hopefully the magic 
pick up a few more wins here this week. It's been fun to watch Magic basketball this season. It's been frustrating at times, but the fact that they've been in it basically every single one of these games and are now starting to pick up some wins has been super encouraging. But that is going to do it for us, folks. For Luke, Sylvia, this has been Jonathan Osborne. You guys are listening to The Six Man Show. We will catch you guys next time. See you. Thanks for listening to The Sixth Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It helps out the show a lot. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Sixth Man Show. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic! Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.